You're listening to the Lucas Askew Experience. Now, here's your host, the one and only, Lucas Askew. Hello world, welcome to the Lucas Askew Experience. I hope your January is going well and any New Year's enhancements are off to a strong start. For those of you who didn't check out the previous podcast, I outlined my 2017 New Year's Enhancements. More to come on that on future podcasts. I'll be updating you um, and showing that hopefully I am hitting my 2017 Enhancements. But today we have an exciting guest. Well, I guess I can't really say I've ever had a non-exciting guest. They wouldn't be invited to the show if they weren't exciting. So today's guest, I could give you his stats and his background, but that doesn't tell the whole story of who this person is. Let's just say he enjoys a good IPA, the band churches, and cannot watch enough Cirque du Soleil shows. John Kennedy is his name, and he'll be joining us from his home in Charlotte in just a little bit. But first, here's a message from today's sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by the House of Prime Rib, the tastiest rent-controlled house in San Francisco. The House of Prime Rib, or Hopper for short, is an iconic restaurant located in the heart of San Francisco. Established in 1949, this is not your typical steakhouse. This is an experience that your taste buds won't soon forget. From the decadent mashed potatoes and creamed spinach to the fluffy yet satisfying Yorkshire pudding, they all play a supporting role to the main star, the Prime Rib. With four different cuts available, you can find a cut that suits your fancy. I like to treat myself every once in a while, and the hopper is always near the top of my list of restaurants to go. The ambiance makes you feel like you're in Old England, and it's the perfect option for company-paid teen dinners. When you call to make reservations, don't forget to mention the Lucas Askew experience and get treated to a special dining experience. House of Prime Rib keeping King Henry VIII relevant 500 years later. Welcome back to Lucas Ask You Experience. Today on the podcast, I don't know if you're familiar with the show Part of the Interruption, but if you're not, we may not be friends anymore because Part of the Interruption has been a part of my life probably the past two decades, uh, watching, coming home from elementary school, yes, I'm dating myself a little bit, but PTI with Wilbon and Kornheiser, a pivotal point and pivotal part of my my childhood growing up. So I wanted to have a PTI-style debate on topics concerning not just sports today, but entertainment. We're, we're inclusive at the Luke Sass Experience. So who better to bring on uh, than someone who actually worked in both industries and actually looks like Tony Kornheiser's grandson to boot. Mr. John Kennedy, welcome to the Luke's Ask Experience podcast. I appreciate being on. It's, uh, it's an honor, buddy. I also hope my hair uh, doesn't look like Tony's in 40 years. I think your, your root structure is a, a little bit stronger. I don't think you have the horseshoe uh, growing at this current moment. Tony had a, a good head of hair on him, I, based on the pictures they've shared on, on those PTI episodes over the years. I, I think I've, uh, 2001, so two decades might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but in the Trump era, I, I think that's within 
accept, accepted range. But uh, yeah, year 16 for PTI. I, I think I probably, uh, I've listened to five of six Lucas Askew experience episodes thus far, and I think I've probably watched about five and six PTI episodes over the last 15 years. So you know, you know my feelings on that show. Yes. No, it, uh, and I appreciate you kind of bringing up the fact-checking, you know? I, I don't want to just be throwing out numbers and having people believe it. So you're keeping me honest, which, uh, which I definitely appreciate. It's a great show. So the, the more that stays on the air, the, the better. Between you and I, we can, uh, we can definitely keep on the legacy. So in, in PTI fashion, we're uh, starting off with some, some current events, some big topics. Um, and I think even though it's sports and entertainment, the first first discussion point I think we'd be remiss not to at least touch on it because everyone else is, is talking about it uh, last week inauguration Mr. Donald Trump becoming the 45th president of the United States we don't need to kind of go left or right in terms of our political values but uh, your initial thoughts on kind of the inauguration and what stood out for you it uh I, so I was driving to Raleigh during the inauguration, so my my live viewing was mostly through Twitter. Obviously, some uh, you know, I, well, I guess my big takeaway the you know the juxtaposition of President Obama and our new president is quite quite vast, and uh, you know I, I think President Obama will go down as one of the more underrated and underappreciated presidents, and you know it's it's definitely still a stick to the stomach surreal and even eerie feeling I would say as we go into this and I mean hell by the time even if you post this in 12 hours I feel like something crazy will happen then uh but you know I think to me it's more you know how do we move forward from here I think you know it's it's kind of that real reality that's kicking into everyone right now now that he's sworn in and uh you know, I think today, not to timestamp your podcast here, I know you, you've got some good evergreen content. Uh, unbelievable. We're, we're now going to have to go live immediately after this uh, for, well, for people to know. A harsh today. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was very impressive and incredible to watch. And I think that's inspiring to me just to, to you feel strength in numbers and, and just to know that there's a lot of people that are in the same as you are in terms of how you're feeling and, and I think it's just good to share that experience and you know I think from my vantage point you know it's definitely a, a time to, to revisit how, how involved you are individually and we are as a, as a group in terms of how our voice is heard and I, I've actually called my representatives uh, over the last couple of weeks I, I think the participation and just being more active and stuff that, that really mm -hmm. definitely you, typically wouldn't voice into, unless it was very directly impacting you, but I think now's a good time to look out for others and, and really, you know, hope, hope for progress, pay attention to local politics, uh, you know, donate to Planned Parenthood. I think, you know, paying for journalism is something that I plan to do a lot more of now. I've never really, you know, I've tried to curb my way around those article limits and stuff like that but I think you know now's a good time because you know honestly as a journalist that you know not me personally but I think it if, if you are, to, are if you are a journalist it's a very interesting time and you know I think you, you have to change your approach I think also allowing people when you're when you kind of bring pay to play you're kind of weeding out the 
I don't want to say the BuzzFeed type of communication, but more of that fake news being infiltrated in, into the airwaves. And it allows kind of the people that study this stuff to understand kind of the questions to ask and, and keeping people honest, because I think that's going to be a, a pivotal point of at least the early part of his candidacy, probably a, a large portion of the next four years of, of keeping Mr. Trump honest of what he's saying and what he's doing. Um, so like everything doesn't kind of fall, fall by the wayside, so to speak. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's great to see the, the energy and the excitement. I think once this next, or this current wave kind of dies down, I hope we can actually kind of talk and make sense of it and realize, okay, this is, this is what's going on. We now need to just get closer as a community, but then make decisions that will actually help this country as opposed to bring more turmoil from it. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, I, I would do not envy the job, the task of keeping people honest. And, you know, it's it's been a challenge for people to effectively do that, you know, obviously since the primaries began. So it's, it's not an easy, it's not a playbook that I know the answer to but it's certainly a good time to kind of revisit that and you know also personally you know I think not that I would never don't plan to tune out by any means but at the same time I think for personal health uh, it's good to spend a little less time watching the news and reading tweets in real time and just you know go out walk my dog focus on personal health and you know to me it's easy to get worked up or see your stress levels rise. And at the same time, it's, it's, you know, what, what can you really control? Focus on some small things, do make an impact in your local community. And, and at the same time, you know, take care of yourself. Also, I think I do get a little bit of satisfaction, especially working in the music industry, the, the dreadful inauguration, going back to your original question on the inauguration itself. It, I, I, got a kick out of seeing three doors down and uh the the lineup that presented itself in this uh compared to 08 for example and it's just it's mind-boggling that the conversation right now is still comparing audience sizes it's like uh locker room talk <laughs> but you know it irks trump and it, i do get a little bit of satisfaction of the fact that uh you know the the the, the numbers, the the real numbers speak for themselves, and and it's certainly a a depressing lineup. I, I don't want to blaspheme any Toby Keith fans out there. I'm sure you've got a dozens of Toby well, Keith. Long, there's a there's a long list of Toby Keith lovers, and I think the the bell has definitely rung on this topic. Last point, I agree. Th three doors down probably hasn't headlined a show in the 16 years that PTI has actually been on the air. So, but. From one inauguration to another sort of inauguration, you were like the Michael Ray Wilbon, uh, John, as a lifelong diehard Cubs fan. What was uh, what was going through your mind a few short months ago? Anthony Rizzo caught that final out, World Series first in what it's 108 years. Like, what what did that mean to you personally? It was stressful, and I'll say even off the bat, for as innocent as it is on replays, I, I panicked and was worried that Bryant might have to barehand it or, you know, coming out of the rain delay, which clearly uh, really helped Chicago. But it's it's hard to – it still doesn't feel real. I, I've watched that game two more times 
because I, I think I didn't appreciate the fact that it was a really good baseball game while you're watching it. You know, I think it, you're, you're kind of pacing and standing going through it. And uh, it was, you know, to me, I, I guess my two key takeaways I, I summarize as, you know, one, I feel like I, I couldn't be happier for this particular Cubs team. Not to say that I wouldn't have loved to see it happen earlier, but, uh, you know, the, the playoff teams they had in the earlier part of this uh, century, you could probably pull in some steroid concerns. You could, you know, other than Derek Lee, you know, not the most likable of teams. And again, I, I certainly would have been quite Zambrano? You're not, you're not thinking Carlos beat beating Zambrano is not likable? I don't know if he's uh, passing uh, drug, test, drug tests. Uh, but, you know, again, I, I'm just really happy that it's the theme of going into next season is not, all right, they made it to a World Series now, so 1945 is no longer set. Now they still have one more step. I, I think that's a pretty big weight off their shoulders. and It's a, it's a fun team to follow. It's probably the, the team I follow most of, of all sports uh, these days, and, you know, especially as, you know, life pulls you in other directions. It's the, kind of the one team that I've, paid most attention to on a day-to-day basis and still keep up with my uh, MLB, MLB subscriptions and everything. And I think the other thing I was going to say is, you know, uh, when it really hit me, I think the first time I shed a tear was after the fact, watching fan videos. You, you see a lot of Chicago area living rooms of families and multi-generations. And, you know, I think that's when it kind of struck home because you, you see what it means to the people that have cared about this and, and followed this team for decades and decades. And, yeah. you know, I, my grandpa passed away a couple of years ago. I wore his sweatshirt during game seven that he would wear watching Cubs games. And that was kind of the moment when you, you would see grandparent videos being posted on Facebook or Twitter. And that that's kind of when it really hit home. And, want to get greedy but i'm just excited about the fact that this this core is going to be together for for many years and just enjoy and appreciate it as a sports fan and wasn't it a couple years ago i think when we were working together you had decreed was it 2017 cubs winning the world series or was it 2016 like i I know that you were predicting this years before kind of seeing the young talent and theo coming over what uh a what year was that and b do you think they, they have what it takes to repeat? Uh, I, I feel good. I think there's Cleveland's a really good team, and uh, if I'm an Indians fan, I, I'm pretty bullish. And yeah, Obviously, it's it's hard in baseball. I think the formula in baseball is just be a team that's equipped to make the playoffs. And, you know, take an eight-year stretch. Are you good enough to make the playoffs in six of those eight years? And of those six, you know, it's, it's really a – a numbers game of you know you hope you win two or three uh but you certainly take one I, you know i think <laughs> as for predictions i don't want to give myself too much credit because i've probably said every year imaginable at some point in conversation so hey, I feel like that that's the way you you can automatically be be correct not to give away my uh password on my work laptop but when we worked together and our IT department would make us update our password every 90 days or so. It was basically all driven around what year would the Cubs win a World Series. So I feel like my passwords have been very reflected. I actually, strangely, to not jinx uh, this current team, we were due for a password change at my current employer, and I uh, got them 
to not change my password because I kept it as the uh, 2016. Oh, man. So I wrote it out for an extra month no. uh, to make sure we didn't uh, change anything in the playoffs because I, I clearly had a, a big impact on, on what how things played out. There would have been kind of the same heat. Like I could see you being the next Bartman, the, the IT curse that you brought in. So I'm I'm glad... I'm glad you came to your senses and uh, went until after the World Series to change it. I would love to see Bartman throw out a first pitch uh, in not opening day because obviously that's going to be a lot of pop and circumstance and rings. and uh, But opening homestand, Steve Bartman, first pitch. If, uh, do, do, if you want, do you want Steve Bartman? Or not, but we'd love to see that happen. Do you want Steve Bartman wearing the exact same outfit? I feel I'd love to see him changed, kind of like maybe grow grew out his hair a little bit, a new baseball cap, maybe not listening to a, a Walkman anymore. You know, it's uh, I'd be curious to see. I, I kind of feel like you leave it up to him, and absolutely curious to see how he rolls out because I feel like the country knows one image of Steve Martin. Yeah. And, that's a Halloween costume. That's obviously in a 30 for 30 film. Uh, you know, but again, I, I do feel, and again, I, I know we're probably, reality's ringing the bell, but, uh, you know, in that scenario in the 2003 playoffs, I think that was a 1-1 count on that pitch, and, and it was a foul ball, and I was like, all right, now we got a two-strike count. Let's go. Never really looked at that as something that... Uh, meant anything in terms of the play and I, you know it's been very I think part Alu reaction and again we don't need to go back to yeah, yeah. that it's not applicable but in the past uh, yeah yeah I, I think he deserves his moment at Wrigley Field and I'd like to see that happen in 2017 you are correct we were a little bit over there but luckily at the Loose Axe Experience we put our sponsors before so it's just it's straight content right now we're we're making sure we're maximizing the listening experience, so we don't we don't have to take any commercial breaks. But feel free to, feel free to do a sponsor plug anytime yeah. uh, mid episode. I uh, I'll happily hang tight. Well, speaking about plugs, this is actually maybe a, a promotion for an upcoming HBO show. It's coming back after a five year hiatus. One of my comedic uh, inspirations, Jerry Seinfeld, and. Kind of his partner in crime was Larry David, who helped create Seinfeld, but also created Curb Your Enthusiasm. They're coming back this season. Love your thoughts. Kind of too late for a comeback, or is is Larry David going to come back bringing the heat? Because that, to me, I feel the the comedic landscape, the shows out there have gotten immensely stronger. There, there's just there's more content out there. You've got Netflix, Amazon, even basic cable is doing something to kind of stay in the arms race is it going to be a lot harder for him to kind of carve out that that niche with curb you know uh, first of all i'm very excited for the return of curb so it's uh, very welcome news it's something to 100 uh, percent look forward to as those episodes and I, you know i'm at the point where it's kind of and in larry we trust I, I feel like his hbo deal is very similar to that and that they basically say you're welcome back anytime and let Larry kind of drive the creative process. So you know, I don't think he would do this unless he 
Yeah, it's been what five or six years since the five, last five years. Five years, yeah. The the long longer break, you see a correlation to good content, and you know, for bands that are on a very tight album cycle of all right, now you you you're, you owe us another album in eighteen months. Typically, not the best follow. You you kind of let people do things on their own terms, and you allow the content. Yeah, I just think the quality of content is there and he's not the type of person that would come back because of the financial situation behind it or because of pressures to make x number of episodes and x number of months you know obviously seinfeld was very driven around that old school model of here's our seasons here's our calendar here's how many episodes per season you know i think he has a lot more creative liberty Mm -hmm. and uh, again i feel like he he's given us so much great stuff that uh i would never shy away even if this season retrospectively doesn't live up to other curved seasons more curved the better i'm excited for the year of 2017 for new music and new new tv shows i i i vehemently disagree with uh with you there we're not even in the toss-up section and uh i am disagreeing i i do think Larry David is a genius, and I, I think he's going to kind of... He wouldn't be coming back if he didn't think he could do something special. I don't know. I think Father Time has a way with uh, even the great creative minds. If Jerry Seinfeld came back and kind of created his own show, not comedians in cars getting coffee, but like came back with a sitcom, A, I think the, the pressure would get to him, and I think... Larry David, the expectations are, are very high, him coming back. I don't know. I, I think it's very tough for him to kind of meet those expectations. I'm going to watch every episode, so it might be a moot point. But I think I'm cautious of just the, the mystique of Larry David coming in and, and wowing us like he, he once did. Uh, I mean, he's got a 30-year track record of making us laugh. So I, I, I see to giving benefit of the doubt to, to Larry. And, and at the same time, again, more more content, the better. I can enjoy a Broad City episode or a Billy on the Street episode and still enjoy a 72-year-old Larry David coming back. Even if this season under-delivers, I'll feel the same way about Kerb. Well, we, we are definitely out of time in the, uh, the opening segment, so uh, we're going to... We're going to move on to toss-up. Toss-up. A PTI favorite here. We're, we're blending the world of, of sports entertainment here. I toss it up. We, we banter back and forth. First toss-up question. With the Grammys coming up in a few short weeks, two of these artists are up for kind of breakout success. Um, I, don't, I don't even know what the actual, uh, actual title is. But the Chainsmokers or Chance the Rapper? Who do you like of sustaining the success in their future career? Uh, you know, I'll go Chance. I think he's super talented. I, I got to see him live about a year ago, and uh, I could see him having a, a very interesting career. But where do you go here? You, I, you going Chainsmokers? I, I see you in a Chainsmokers type of uh, I, anchor. I, I think I was leaning towards the Chainsmokers. I like the Chainsmokers, but I believe, though, they live in the world of, of pop, um, and I think it's easier for other pop acts to, to come in and kind of douse their flames, so to speak. Um, and I think Chance is like a Kendrick Lamar. 
better than a Kanye West. Kind of the, I think the rap industry can takes and, and looks at, at hold with one or two people at a time as opposed to pop. Kind of churns out talent. I think Chance, Chance the rapper. I love the branding of the number three in the hat. By the way, I like it. You have to be near these people. What's next? Awesome. I've been watching a lot of uh, the Australian Open right now. I think we can both agree Wimbledon taking the cake, or at least the strawberries and cream of the top tennis major out there. But what is number two? You know, who, who do you got? Do you got the U.S. Open or do you have the Australian Open? And I, I, know, I know this one is a, a sore subject for you, so I'll let you start. I, I just can't believe your continued snubbing of the French. There. It's... There's three answers, and you're ignoring one altogether. The French is, is clearly number four. They A, their ability, or lack of ability, to build kind of a, a TV network following. Most of the opening rounds are now on the tennis channel. That isn't even broadcast to a large people, as opposed to the Australian and U.S. that are ESPN-based. The French, they go their own way. They, they don't really care if anyone notices what they do. Um, and Clay... Yes, it's cool, but I think it, the actual quality of matches is down because of the playing surface. So, for me, second best major, I think you know what the answer is going to be for me. I think it's the Australian Open. And not because I'm seeing it right now and it's top of mind. I think, kind of being in January, it's, the, it's probably the first of like golf or outside of football, first sport of the year they get really excited about. The ability for kind of all the best players to come, and I feel that the people of Australia get behind this Open more than the U.S. Open. Not, I love nighttime the U.S. Open. I think it's great, but I think the Australian. The I know you've been to the Aussie. I've been to both. I've been to both. Yeah. Um, I love nighttime at the U.S. Open. I think that is a, a cool experience. But I don't know. There's something about the the Australian Open now. Like it, it was. It was definitely a lower tier major 20, 30 years ago. I think they've invested a lot. Leighton Hewitt kind of bringing the, the country to prominence. Mark Philippoussis as well being a, a bachelor contestant. Um, I, think it's, I think it's the Australian Open for me. Uh, see, I'll agree that the Australians had a nice renaissance and has absolutely done a good job in terms of putting on a, a major event. To me, number two behind Wimbledon, as you said, is definitely the U.S. Open. But just the energy of New York City, it's kind of that culmination of the major season. What I do like about the French, and again, I'm not going to fight for the French to be number two or necessar not necessarily even number three, but that French to Wimbledon sequencing is a lot of fun as a tennis fan because I, I feel Wimbledon benefits from having the French Open playoff three or so weeks uh, ahead of time. And, yeah. you know, to me, that's a great window to, to watch tennis, especially when you can uh, harken back to the Nadal Federer days. So, uh, uh, but I'm going U.S. as number two. Well, we, we can agree to dis disagree, but uh, good points, good points. I, I feel like you to Australia is like Donald Trump to Russia. I, I, I don't know what's propaganda machine is behind uh, you right now, but I feel like there's something that an investigative journalist could uncover about you. Well, yeah, maybe uh, maybe I'll be able to meet one of those investigative journalists sometime soon. What's next? Awesome. Topic three. This is the, the Doug Cody special, a mutual friend of ours, 
Connecticut born and bred, the biggest UConn women's basketball fan I know. They've won 92 straight games, absolutely dominating teams, like over 35 points, sometimes even 50 plus. My question to you, Mr. Candidate, do they lose a game this season, yes or no? As uh, someone who doesn't invest a lot of time or energy in collegiate women's basketball, nothing against the, the sport, uh, a lot of respect for what uh, Gino's done with that program, and I think it's uh, – well, how many games are left in the season, I guess, is my first question. There's about 12, 12 games left in the season. They, 12, they're just getting season, started. Then, yeah, then March. 12, their conference tournament, then March, but 20 games. So – they could be stretching to 112 games uh, if they, they run the gauntlet. I feel like uh, a Mr. James Taylor is probably a good uh, basketball guest to, to rehash your 90-minute uh, bowl episode. But, uh, 68 minutes of pure content and great. I say that <laughs> as we ramble on and go over time on every topic. Uh, but I, I, I think my interest level is probably at the century mark. And in the Final Four, I don't see them losing them. It's going to take a Herculean effort to upstage them. I think they have one tricky potential game left in the schedule, South Carolina. Unfortunately, it's coming to Gamble Pavilion. Uh, so it's a home game for UConn. South Carolina, top five team. Got a deep bench this year, deeper than they had uh, previous years uh, when they were a top top candidate. The AEC, which UConn's in, definitely not deep enough. So I, I think South Carolina doesn't get it done. I think UConn rolls to the Final Four. And then in the Final Four, a Notre Dame, a Baylor, I believe they shocked the world. Because think about the pressure that Gino Oriema and his team are, are dealing with. I, I watched a dominant Alabama team this, this football season. Not to compare different sports, male versus female. Winning every game, regardless of whatever sport, it's tough. And even though they look untouchable, Alabama lost their final game. I think UConn, I believe in the field. And I believe that the field trips them up in the NCAA tournament. And that's, that's bold, but uh, you, you didn't waffle at all, so we'll, we can always go back to it. You could be one of the few people that called it this early, I feel like, uh, if it pans out your way, which can only be good for the LAE. Okay, that's, uh, that's your toss-up round, folks. In true Tony Reale fashion in our PTI episode, here are the errors and omissions from today's podcast. PTI first episode debuted on October 17th, 2001. I was a little off with the two-decade declaration. Two, it was indeed Tiger Woods who said Hello World in 1996. It was at his first PGA Tour press conference at the Greater Milwaukee Open. Chance the Rapper and the Chainsmokers are up for the Best New Artist at this year's Grammy Awards. At the time of the recording, the UConn women's basketball team had nine games remaining in their regular season, potentially three conference championship games, and a maximum of six NCAA tournament games to play. And it was Fran Lebowitz who had the quote, think before you speak, but read before you think. That's all, folks. Everything else was clean. Now we're big finish. Not quite PTI style because we don't have 10 topics to discuss, but uh, a couple quick hitters, candidate. Who do you like in the Super Bowl? Patriots. A couple artists we should watch in 2017. 
go give you some Canadian love and say the band Japandroids this coming Friday has a new album coming out. Okay. Good Vancouver, British Columbia band. And I, I just saw Run the Jewels last night uh, in terms of to, to call back to political and, and inauguration talk. Uh, very well-spoken duo that kind of created a, a very good album that just came out this year. Two more questions. Best comedy club in the country to watch a show? I mean, this is a conflict of interest question because we just opened a, a great Philadelphia venue, which I'll plug the punchline. Uh, I honestly think, so Dave Chappelle would answer the question, punchline San Francisco. And to me, a great show at the punchline at SF cannot be beat. I think the Comedy Cellar in New York is great. The Comedy Store in Hollywood is great. But I'm going punchline San Francisco. Last question, John. We, we end most, well, when we have a guest, a piece of advice that you would give uh, our adoring fans, uh, including yourself, what, what piece of advice would you give to someone listening to the podcast right now? It could be anything. It could be career. It could be life. It could be nonsensical. We don't care. What, uh, what would be that one piece of advice? Ah, that's a good question. I think it's a fun thing that you do. And, you know, it's beyond Trump and beyond politics. You know, I think this applies certainly to that. But beyond that, I think it's from a career and life standpoint. You know, one thing that struck to me in an election year, uh, especially this type of election year, was the, the quote, and I, unfortunately I, I can't cite it, but, you know, I, I think everyone's, familiar with the phrase think before you speak and I think if you can add on the read before you think I, I think is a great addition to that quote Ooh, that's to deep. Me, I think you know we're in an era where every your critical thinking and how you process information and continue to learn is at an all-time importance and to me uh, that's kind of a, a advice that kind of stuck with me around 2016, again, probably came up due to politics, but I think applies to all, all settings of life. That is a wrap, John. I think we did Wilbon and Kornheiser proud with the, with this version. Yeah. Reality would not be happy from a clock management standpoint. But, we uh, it's good to catch up with you. Well, congrats for being on the podcast game. Kudos for, for actually seeing it through. No, and thank you for, for coming down. And thanks to our wonderful sponsor, House of Prime Rib. <laughs> Try that again. And thanks to our wonderful sponsor, House of Prime Rib. That's been our show for today. For John Kennedy, this is Lucas Askew. Take care, good night, and God bless. Oh,